Aloha, and welcome to the show. The 692nd Podcast is a platform for developing and connecting with our airmen across the island and those now serving on the mainland. Tune in for episodes where we talk all things leadership and personal development while getting a glimpse into the lives of the people moving our missions forward. I'm your host, Master Sergeant Derek Addison, and this is the 692nd Podcast. Welcome Knights, Tigers, Hawks, Warriors, and Krakens to the final interview with Colonel Eric Mack as tomorrow, 3 June 2021, he will relinquish command of the 692nd ISR Group to Colonel Stacy Kihara. In this interview, we discuss the moments that Colonel Mack will always take with him, the growth that he has experienced as your group commander, and some of the advice for our newest member to the group, Colonel Stacy Kihara. Please enjoy the final words of our current 692 ISR Group Commander, Colonel Eric Mack. Welcome, sir, to the show for your final exit interview. Uh, I've got a few questions uh, already lined up, but is there anything you'd like to start off with? Uh, good morning. Uh, thanks for thanks for having me. It's, uh, this is uh, always a great opportunity to uh, to talk to you. I, we've always had some great conversations on the group staff, and uh, look forward to um, the interview and and just kind of reliving some of the the moments of the last couple of years. It's just been. Uh, you know, just a highlight of my career so far, uh, the opportunity to come out here and lead and, uh, and be a part of this team. And, you know, as you probably, probably every assignment is sort of the same, but, uh, you, you never know what you're going to get, right. Um, when, when you walk into it, you have an idea or perception of what, what you think you're going to be doing. Um, and, uh, definitely group leadership is one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, the reality is a slightly, slightly different, but, uh, it's been fantastic. Absolutely. That actually uh, kind of leads into our first question uh, that I have for you. And so with every kind of assignment or promotion or any type of, uh, you know, list that comes out for um, selection to either, you know, a new rank or a new job, uh, you get a phone call. I would I would hope or assume that you get a phone call at least uh, a few days out to let you know, hey, you're going to be the new group commander of the 692nd ISR group or your new job, which will be the wing commander of the 363rd. Uh, out at Joint Base Langley Eustis. Uh, so what are the thoughts and feelings that you kind of, you go through whenever you get those type of notifications? Uh, well, it's always uh, two different situations, uh, I guess, um, for for the group and then for uh, the notification for the wing. So uh, just like just like any other time when your name comes out on a list, uh, there's it's normally leaked about a week, a week ahead. Uh, and you get you either get the the positive phone call or the the hey the, the conciliatory uh, phone call. But uh, for group command, I was I was sitting up at headquarters Air Force working on the A two staff and uh, got a call from uh, General Jameson, uh, letting me know that that I was selected. And um, now it's you, you get the elation, uh, but but then you also get the panic uh, as well when you uh, again you for for me learning that I was going to go uh, command a, a DCGS group. Um, and not serving in DCGS, there's always a, oh, oh, okay, now, 
now what? Um, uh, gotta, gotta really start applying yourself, trying to learn as much as you can about the next job. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, just, uh, uh, and plus it was in Hawaii. So, and, and again, where the, the two experiences are a little bit different. So, uh, when, uh, I let, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Mack know, uh, that I was selected, it's always, it's always, it's kind of funny now in our, our marriage, but I had promised her that nobody would pick me up for squadron command. Uh, and, and then I, I, I got picked up and I told her pretty much the same thing for group command. I was like, don't, don't worry. Nobody's going to, nobody would ever select me for group commander. Um, and, uh, I did, but, uh, we got, got sent to Hawaii. So she was, she was ecstatic, um, and excited about the opportunity to come out here. And, and again, her opportunity to be the, the, the staff judge advocate, uh, for the wing was a great opportunity for her and we've enjoyed the time here. So now fast forward two years. Uh, we get the phone call for Wing Command, and again, uh, extremely surprised because uh, the the quality of individuals that they have uh, at that level for the small number of jobs, it, it really is an honor and humbling to to be selected. But it, it was a much harder conversation to have with uh, the wife when it's, "Hey, we're we're leaving Hawaii," um, <laughs> so she was she was not as excited, and uh, she doesn't have a lot of faith in my my skills as an intel officer because I. Again, I, I guaranteed her that nobody would pick me up for wing command. So she, she either thinks I'm a liar or no good at my job. Right. Maybe you should continue to tell her, <laughs> like, there's no chance I'm going to get a star. There's no chance to run for president. There's no, none of these chances. <laughs> yeah. So just let her know there's no chance of going to Fiji and then just will it into existence. Yeah. Uh, what were some of the most memorable moments that you've had with us uh, during your time here at the 692nd? Uh, yeah, it's uh, a ton of them. Uh, we, were, we were talking while we were doing the, the, the resiliency trek uh, this weekend that a lot of times you remember the negative uh, stuff that's a little bit a little bit stronger. I, I think for some reason that's just how the human mind works. But uh, so so definitely coming into command within the first week and experiencing the loss of Tech Sergeant Khan uh, from the 8th IS um, uh, being uh, it, it's always always hard to have that kind of tragic loss. But, but coming in within the first couple of weeks of command and not not really having right a, a firm foundation and, and knowing kind of my place and my voice, that, that was a challenge. But Chaplain Edison and uh, Sergeant Whitehouse, they, they really helped. They, they were really the first people that I met uh, in the group um, and, and uh, met them at the hospital uh, with Sergeant Khan's family. And not only were they helping guide them through the process, they... They, they helped me guide, guide me through the process, and I, w- I would have definitely been lost without them. And then the loss of Laura Corner as well um, uh, within the 792nd, uh, that, that also was extremely tough. Uh, that affected a lot of different squadrons. She had actually been embedded with the, the 392nd and the 324th, so it had a, had a far-reaching impact. And those, uh, any time you lose uh, an airman from the formation, that leaves, uh, leaves a psychic scar on you and and those around you but uh, again just fabulous to see uh, the airmen come together and support her family even as a civilian that that she was and, and her family is a part of part of our ohana just just like an airman so so that those those are two those are two on the um you know on the on the negative side like negative lessons uh that that you wish you didn't have to experience that that will stay with me forever um but uh, I think two, two of the things that I'll really 
takeaway or a couple of couple of positive ones is one anytime I see a one and two work, uh, that was my really my first exposure to like what a one and two does with uh, special signals, just just freaking amazing, um, right? It's it's right the technical level that that those airmen have and the way that they see things almost like a linguist, but they see right um, UPC codes and uh, the matrix and they can read the matrix. Uh, and I, it is, uh, that, that was just amazing to, to see both, both at down at DCGS and up at NSA. And then I also a little bit longer of an example, but there was, uh, something that I still raises the hair on the back of my neck. Uh, there was airman at the eighth IS airman Myers, mm-hmm. um, a phenomenal young analyst. She was a senior airman. She got promoted to, to staff, but, it was pretty early in the DCGS transformation where she had the opportunity to go up and brief Admiral Davidson, combatant commander, Indo-PACOM commander, and she killed it. Like, she just crushed that briefing, and Admiral Davidson basically turned around, like, pointed to all the senior civilians and be like, that, that's how you do it, right? That, that's the epitome. Like, that, that's the best intel brief. So you have tremendous pride in, in, uh, in, in watching that airman perform. And that was great, but what was truly fantastic was uh, a few months later after she had promoted and became a staff sergeant, uh, I got to visit her AET and, and uh, was uh, getting briefed by one of her airmen. And her air, airman's doing a, a great briefing to me. Uh, you could tell that she's hitting her marks like she was well-prepared and by the team, and she was, she was ready to brief in 06, and she was just hitting her marks, but out of the corner of my eye, I could see Staff Sergeant Myers like pumping her fist like every time that airman hit a mark and uh, just, you know, phenomenal leadership. And again, it kind of chokes me up because it's just like, wow, that's that's just a, an awesome leader. And if the Air Force has frontline leaders that are that that motivated and um, that attached to, you know, seeing their airmen succeed like that, that's just awesome. Absolutely. Right? That, that's a high point. Uh, and then, then I would also say one that, again, w- was just a lot of fun to come together and I, I thought was a huge success, and that was Sports Day last year. Um, it, it's, it's not often when we can get all 1,100 of our airmen together, um, and uh, it was just a, a huge logistical feat to you know pull off kind of a mini, mini intramural season uh, and then have everybody out at the track um, and, uh, and and finishing that off, that's uh, d- definitely something we missed over the last year in, in COVID. And and I'm glad uh, as I'm as I'm heading out of out of command that we had we were able to put together the Commanders Cup and and top that off with the Battle of Midway, uh, which yes. which was you know just phenomenal uh, to see how many folks were having fun and uh, look, looking forward to to hearing about the the combat dining in in September if that's if that's if that's uh, kind of energy that you guys are going to have, that's that's going to be a hell of a party. Absolutely, yeah. The the uh, the Doolittle raid that we did on uh, I guess two Thursdays ago now, um, that was some of the most fun I've I've ever had. It, you know, obviously for it was not really a mandatory event uh, as a mandatory fun type thing, but with group staff, since the size of group staff is so small, uh, roughly thirty three individuals, um, so we team up with the seven ninety second it's kind of important just, you know, to be out there. It's not, so it's not mandatory, but it's still, you need to make sure that you are seen as well. Um, just because, uh, it shows that 
the younger airmen as well as you know the, the 792nd as you know we're getting teamed up that the group staff is jointly invested the same amount and uh yeah the 792nd came out uh prepared for war <laughs> and the group staff did not disappoint as well and i i believe the uh, the rest of the teams really uh felt the wrath <laughs> of uh, of the knights warriors um, or warrior knights uh, as well as the maybe strategically not filled completely full water balloons yeah, yeah that uh sure. that bounced off their faces a few times yeah so that that, that that's got to sting a little bit it but. it did it did i'm sure i apologize to the 392nd airman that i hit in the face so <laughs> uh they made their they made their plane so thin though because they thought that we wouldn't be able to hit the planes they just turned into the targets themselves so yeah we just need splash that's fine yeah bigger bigger plane to protect yourself exactly yeah. exactly so and the teams did uh, amazing uh, and i think uh, staff sergeant orsillo from the 8th is the was i guess the primary lead behind that yep. little raid uh, and I think he did a ph- phenomenal job with the marketing of it, yeah. uh, especially whenever we did the commander's call, um, your final commander's call. Uh, and he was out there, or I guess he was on the show explaining the event. I think that really hyped up a lot of people. Um, so now we just need the 8th IS and the 324th to show up to the Ultimate Frisbee so we can have <laughs> an, an, actual, uh, an actual event. But... I'll take the group win anyway. Yeah. So uh, that 792nd, um, you know, that did phenomenal. Um, and it's it's always great, right, as the the two smaller organizations that we get to to partner in so many ways with them. Yeah. But uh, I'm already uh, already putting inroads out with uh, the 17th Weapons uh, Weather Squadron. Uh, they've been playing some frisbee, so I'm like, oh, you know, you need uh, training days for group staff for the 792nd. You need to come out and absolutely play, play some real ultimate. Right. But, see what see what yeah. they got. You know. Yep. Uh, if anything, it just challenges to be better too. Yeah. So. But, yeah. So I mean that that's just I, I think that was just a, a a great event for folks to cut loose. I mean even even the the smallest morning events. I think people were just excited to kind of come out of the COVID hibernation and yeah. uh, work together as a team and camaraderie. And I know a lot of the you know just like just like the old days, right? People would play the play the game right um you know win or lose but then nobody really wanted to go home right uh everybody just kind of was really relishing the opportunity to be together and and i think the um do little raid uh just gave everybody an opportunity to kind of cut loose be a silly and uh great great turnout great videos uh, i love yeah. hearing chaplain yelling at folks um it it's uh it, it gets pretty intense and I, I i love i love to see that yes he uh he did very well obviously making sure he was out of the line of fire <laughs> yeah because uh, he got a little close sometimes so so whenever you took on the role of group commander for the 692nd you passed out a your leadership philosophy uh and some just points of wisdom uh that you brought with you i'm assuming that they might have changed over the past two years, or if not, uh, you've probably refined a, a few of them before you take on as a wing commander. Although leadership is leadership, right? But I, I think maybe as a group commander stepping into a wing commander position, maybe the enormity of the of the thought uh, that has to go into those type of words probably weigh on you a little bit. For sure, for sure. I I, I probably won't change my my core philosophy or like the the things that. I don't want to. I don't want to call them talking points because they're not really talking points, but they're really kind of basic nuggets that uh, I try to break leadership down um, to it to its core fundamentals. Right as 
as a leader, what am, what am I responsible for? Uh, and, and folks have probably heard it uh, ad nauseum, but right, live the core values, leave the playground better than you found it, and make your airmen's lives better. And I think at every echelon uh, of leadership within the Air Force, like if you keep those three things in, in mind and you, you're going to leave, you're going to leave a, a positive mark on the organization and, and on the, the, the people that make it up. And, and it gets more complicated from there, right? There, you can, there's, there's thousands of leadership books out there that can, can tell you how to do those individual, individual things. But if you can kind of keep that kind of simple saying in your mind at all times is that, that kind of foundation. I think that 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 has served me well, and that'll continue to probably be my my touch point going forward, even into wing command. And then also the the relentless pursuit of excellence uh, that that also I think kind of defines me as a as a as a person in every phase of of my life, from the time I was a professional athlete to you know going into wing command, um, and every step in between is right. Just dedicate yourself to being the the best that you can. You know, not just at your work, but, you know, best dad you can be, best friend you can be, because I, I think you have to have you have to have that that drive. You have to you have to be looking to improve in some way uh, to provide provide a meaningful uh, existence in, in, a, in a way. So absolutely. Totally agree. For a lot of the younger airmen um, who are their kind of role in the Air Force is to, you know, learn their jobs and be the best of their jobs. And with the the supervisor real talk that I do for the ALS top off, I always remind them that business is important, but your personal life also has to has to come in there. So if you can improve yourself every day, just one percent, whether it's personal or professional. Uh, if it's personal, if you have to work on your person, you know, uh, yeah. a lot more, that's fine. We'll accept a better human being tomorrow as well. So uh, better human beings make better airmen. So I'm. Totally cool if someone needs to take some time for themselves, just for their personal life. I I know I'm a work in progress, so. <laughs> well, so and, and I think you're better at your job when your personal life is is better, right? Absolutely. Whether you're more resilient or right less less chaos or anything like that that's going on outside of outside of work. When uh, when when you kind of have that harmony across the board, you're 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 going to be more focused, and you're probably going to have a more enjoyable career because you're just going to have less less stress and be a be a happier individual. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Chief Master of the Air Force Wright always said he didn't believe in work life balance; he believed in work life harmony. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, uh, again, I think the uh, the higher the higher up you go, and the more you know, quite frankly, you, you end up sacrificing more outside of just the the nine to five or the seven thirty to four thirty hours. Uh, you have to have a way to communicate that because, um, yeah, there, there definitely is a toll that happens outside of that work that you have to stay in harmony with your family and uh, physical resilience, all that kind of stuff, right? You, you have to have that balance because um, leadership at that level is a marathon. Absolutely. So as, you're, as your time's getting closer to the end here uh, for your group command stint, uh, are there any things that you feel like you've kind of left incomplete that you're you kind of wanted to have done before your change of command? Uh, incomplete. I don't. I don't think so. Um, unfortunately, I, you get to a point where nothing nothing is completed, <laughs> uh, right? Um, we we talk about the transformation 
uh, within DC Jess, but uh, I've moved away from the idea of transformation and, and more into evolution. Yeah, um, I, I think we've we've come a long way, and we've you know the the transformation I would say is is complete to a certain extent, and, and now it's just evolving what we have, uh, and that will never stop. Right. I um, hope. So. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and and it is an evolution, like the whole life, you know, go, going back 10, 15 years to when DC just first organized. Right. It's been a been an evolution coming out of the vans, being expeditionary, you know, you know, integrating into FMV as well as high altitude. And then uh, now into the to the multi analysis uh, that 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 evolution will continue. So, I mean, there's. There's definitely a lot of work to, to still be done. I think we've we've uh, come a long way on our training our airmen and uh, providing autonomy, mastery, and purpose for uh, all the AFSCs within the DCGS on the Intel side, and and then it's just how do how do we continue to make airmen's lives better? How can we uh, take the lessons learned from that first year and a half, uh, you know, developing tradecraft and things like that, and how can we uh, again, just take our airmen up to the next level. There gets to be a point where, you know, we kind of took the ideas that we had and those ideas have kind of run their course. So it's, uh, I, I feel it's the perfect timing for a new leader to come in and a, a fresh set of eyes. Colonel Kahara is coming with tons of experience from Indo-PACOM. She's, she's a, a graduate of both the 8th IS and the 324th. So she spent time in both both organizations. She spent time uh, at the JIOC and targeting. She's uh, just coming off of PACAF A2. So she's got phenomenal theater experience. Uh, and uh, and uh, she'll, uh, again, she's, she's the right person to come in and kind of help help further develop those partnerships that, that we have between the group and our uh, island partners and our IC partners. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm excited to see what the, the vectors that she she provides to take it to the next to the next level but but there's nothing really that's just kind of hanging out there like ah oh, didn't didn't quite get to that so so yeah I, I think it's really it's just trying to pass on right a lot of the 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 reasoning behind the decisions that we made and, and right. the choices that we made um, and, uh, and and she'll be faced with making a lot of the same choices uh, in just different contexts so Yes. I do remember when uh, in Korea, Colonel Slauson, Andrew Slauson, was relinquishing command of the 694th ISRG to Colonel Shane Hamilton. Um, and I asked him, a pr- you know, previous, prior to uh, his change of command, that, like, what type of advice is he going to give Colonel Hamilton? He said, good luck. <laughs> that's, that's the only thing he gave him. And I was like, I, there's probably more. Uh, and he's like, nah, that's pretty much good luck is, is really all I got for him. You know, he's a smart guy coming in. So I'm yeah. assuming that, uh, good luck plus, uh, a few more lines, um, of advice, uh, are some, I guess, similar to what you're going to pass on to Colonel Kahara. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know if it's much advice as much as, um, again, kind of my, my experiences and what I've, uh, I want to say what I've learned, but. You know the the status of our partnerships of hey this is this is this is uh where things kind of lie between us and right whether it's pack fa2 or the aoc or nsa or the jack of like just hey this is, these are the personalities this, this is the the pitfalls that we've hopefully hurdled and uh right this is the next step like this is where we're heading 
So again, just so that she has a great idea of the vector where we're going, you know, from my interpretation, then she'll have her own interpretation, right, within that first 30 to 60 days of, hey, are we, um, uh, is this the direction that we should continue to, to head or do we need to kind of course correct um, in any of those areas? Uh, the other, the group I think right now is just doing so phenomenal, right? I, I look across and just the, the feedback, right? It, it's hard to get feedback, uh, right? You have various methods, whether it's the deox or going out and having sensing sessions and just talking to airmen. But I think a, a great one is just, right, the level of recognition that our airmen get uh, across the board, whether it's the 792nd, right, the first, the first ISS to ever be a 480th uh, squadron of the year, the 324th just went in the Dernza Trophy, um, the 392nd, they had three out of uh, three NSA performance of the year, the 8th IS leading many fashion facets of the DC Jets transformation. And a lot of what the wing does is adapting the things that either we did uh, in the eighth or at the three uh, at the group staff. Yeah. Uh, as far as uh, being a regional lead, and uh, and, and again, uh, I think five five wing awards last year, six wing awards this past year. The the advice would be like, just trust the airmen. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're figuring it out. Um, I I don't I don't think that's a reflection on my leadership as much as it's that's that's the the airmen at the lowest level, the leaders at the lowest level taking care of their airmen and the the feedback we're getting from the mission partners was like I said winning NSA level awards our our analysis is now getting briefed to the Indo-PACOM and the PACAF commander on a daily basis yeah uh, I don't think we'd ever say that a couple of years ago not and likely no no and then the the partnerships with NGA and DIA those those things are continuing to develop and uh, and it's all because of the airmen right that the, those are airmen connections right. being made across the board so um, we just have to continue to listen to them and get them the resources that they need whether that's training or material do we know if uh, colonel kahara is a uh, project manager or got pmp or anything like that i, I don't know um so it kind of yeah. describes uh what your description is is almost like a scrum master really just <laughs> make sure to clear all the obstacles out and let the let the you know subject matter experts whatever do their job make sure they're resourced and free to you yeah. know accomplish the mission which yeah well i mean that's um yeah i i just think that's the essence of leadership at a at a large organization is you have to be able to do that right because yeah. it's anything even squadron level but it's impossible to do everything yourself so you have to delegate um and you have to depend on others to to kind of see your vision and um and execute yeah um, on your behalf and as you do so well in my name <laughs> i do I, I use your name a lot i think yep. in almost every podcast I, yeah. I make sure to uh try to echo the the words that i feel you would say or uh, at least based on the the leadership you know philosophy that you handed us um whenever you first took over make sure that everyone understands kind of your maybe uh, i don't know hopes hopes are is a weird word but I don't know, I, I'm, I can't even think of an English word for it, but yeah. I guess your desire that yeah. everyone improves themselves, not just for themselves, but for the, you know, the airmen sitting next to them or. Yeah, no, I think, um, and that's, that's kind of the hardest and, and that's, that's why I'm a big fan of this, uh, this venue, the podcast. And, uh, it's very difficult to, to communicate that, 
right? To get that down through every echelon of command of like, hey, this is what, not just what Colonel Mack is thinking, but hey, this is kind of the direction that we're heading as an organization um, because we are so multifaceted between the support we provide to, to NSA and the, right, the support we provide to the Air Force side of the house and, and trying to keep that all synchronized and kind of reduce the stovepipes between the organizations. I think we've done a lot of work there over the last couple of years to um, whether that's the newcomer's brief or the office orientation, things like that, so that we're, we're actually talking across the squadron bounds. But, but we see that in the DOCs as well. I think that's uh, the hardest thing in any organization, and I don't, I don't know if anybody's ever gotten it, gotten it 100%. Um, yeah. uh, right? It's always, hey, how, even from the squadron level, how, does, how do you get what the squadron commander is thinking or the DO and uh, get it down to the lowest airman level? That, that's right. that's the Communication is always going to be the biggest challenge, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think every DOX, uh, I've, only, I've only been in 18 years, but I believe every DOX is always communication. Uh, they're unsure of policies. They're unsure of the, the maybe the rationale behind certain decisions. I do believe that uh, on the DOX that we should not have is the commander's the commander's policy on sexual assault clear, because every commander has a zero tolerance policy <laughs> because it's the Air Force policy. So, but yeah. that still shows up on the DOX for some reason. I'm sure the Air Force mandates that one. Yeah. But if anyone says no to that and they haven't been in the Air Force long enough. Yeah, hopefully. And I, I think that's that that's it's a DOD survey, so I think that's the whole point is yeah. to, to make sure that message is out there. But I would also say that incidents at uh, Fort Hood, uh, right, the tragic murder of that uh, soldier, they had the window dressing there of those programs, Sapper, IG, EEO. But uh, again, it, and the commander would say he had a zero tolerance, but then in the actual execution of those programs, uh, that that was not the case. Yeah, and, and so, so we do have to make sure that it's not just not just talk; that it is um, that folks do feel the psychological security to to seek help and know that their leadership has their back. Absolutely, to make a positive environment. Um, uh, so, yeah, I don't think we you, you hear it all the time, but. Uh, yeah, I don't think that question's going to go away. Yeah, I'm okay with <laughs> but, it. I know that your policy is zero tolerance. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, but well, that's a that's the gimme question uh, on yeah. the Ox. Make yeah. sure people are actually reading. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So as you transition from Hawaii to Virginia, obviously you're going to start having seasons again, which is probably <laughs> going to be weird. Uh, and Lieutenant Colonel Mack is going to have to break out the sweater, or she's just going to have to go shopping <laughs> and uh, find all new, you know, jackets and sweaters and things like that for well, her and the kids. My, my dad takes care of all that. So my dad, retired Master Sergeant uh, Larry Mack, he, uh, he gives us a, all, the, all the kids in the family and, and my wife and the spouses, we all get the same chamois shirt from L.L. Bean okay. every year. Um, another kind of, it's flannel, but it's made out of chamois. But um, we all get a, a, it's just called the Christmas shirt. Um, so I have I have about thirty five of those in my closet uh, from from the years. That's a lot uh, so, of shirts. So yeah, I think I think we're covered down on the cold weather. Uh, but I was I was out there last week for the Wing Global Sync, and it was it was like sixty degrees in the morning, and it was cold. That uh, that Hawaii does change your blood. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. I was like, wow, this is this is cold. I was there for the Mouse Sync last January, the end of uh, January twenty twenty. 
Uh, I did not. Obviously, Hawaii at the time didn't sell any type of uh, cold weather gear <laughs> for OCPs or anything like that. So it was definitely a uh, changer, or yeah. definitely a, or a, a shock to the system. So what are you? What is uh, maybe you and Lieutenant Colonel Mac? What are you guys looking forward to by being back on the mainland? Um. So so going back to the the other question. My my kids are very much looking forward to the seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think at least until the till winter hits. But my son's very eager to get back into snow. Yeah. But but again, I think after about five ten minutes, he's gonna be like, "This is cool. Uh, I'm going inside." Yeah. Um, but uh, I I miss like the little things. Um, I think uh, a little bit more flexibility to travel, uh, to just get in a car and and go lower lowers the threshold a little bit to that. I miss uh, Chick fil A and Chipotle. So those are two, like every time I go back uh, for a TDY or something, I'm, I'm normally find my way to one of those restaurants. Absolutely. Uh, just to, just to uh, get my fix. And then uh, part of the deal, again, there was a lot of happiness when I was a group commander, uh, got, got group command. Uh, there there might have been some tears um, uh, shed when, uh, when I came out on the wing commander list for, one, it's a... a a heavy burden on the family to do another two years back to back in command. Right. And then we had to leave Hawaii a year early. So, uh, yeah, uh, the Jag loves Hawaii, um, every, every minute. So part of the deal that she said was, Hey, I'll, uh, I'll move back to Virginia. Um, but we're buying an RV. So, which is awesome to hear as a husband. Yeah. Uh, when, when you're like, Hey, uh, how, Heck yeah, we'll get an RV. How big a one do you want? Right. How, how big a toy do I get to buy? Yeah. Uh, so so yeah. So we just bought a truck, a new truck out there, a, a Jeep Gladiator. To, okay. Um, and that will tow uh, an RV of some sort. So that's that's our big plan is uh, to to start traveling a little bit and doing some more camping. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Uh, I kind of joke about that a little bit with my wife um, after the kids are grown and out of the house, and it's just me and her. Uh, we just go somewhere, just travel, see things. There's so much, obviously, you know, the United States is, is extremely big, but there's so much in kind of each state has its own beauty to it. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that you don't want to see anymore. So, <laughs> but uh, there is a lot to look forward to. And I agree. Uh, I like the idea of just going to the car and driving for a weekend and getting to either mountains or yeah. to see snow or something of that effect. So, that's good. I'm glad that she kind of gave you and the, the, <laughs> I kind of, I need to, I need to have my wife listen to this. It's yeah. like, Hey, see, yeah, that's, that's she, good she did it. Yeah. yeah, that's great. <laughs> so do you believe that this, uh, the, your wing command tour will be your last tour? Have you uh, thought about retirement? Yeah. Well, I've, I, you know, I've, I've been extremely lucky. Um, my goal in the Air Force coming in was always to serve for 20 years and, and uh, be a lieutenant colonel. Like uh, that was my that was my uh, definition of success in the Air Force. Yeah. Um, and uh, I got very lucky when it to get selected for squadron command, um, which is a, a longer story. Uh, the podcast is too <laughs> it, it, uh, it go forever. But uh, I, I was selected for squadron command, and, and my performance as a squadron commander has really changed the trajectory of my my career because I uh, I hadn't been a 04 leader, so I'd never been a DO. I had not uh, I had spent a lot of time in the joint uh, side of the house, so 
Uh, I hadn't had an Air Force supervisor in like 12 years before I was a squadron commander. Um, and so making becoming a squadron commander opened the door to become an 06. And then uh, right further performance you know, opened the door to, to group command, uh, which I never expected. And, and then the door is now open for wing command. So uh, I will, uh, again, go back to my leadership philosophy and try to make the 363rd uh, better than I found it, bloom where I'm planted. Yeah. Uh, as I say to every, every officer uh, from lieutenant on, uh, just bloom where you're planted, and, and we'll see what, what comes. I don't, I don't think that, that I have a, another promotion in my future, uh, which provides a lot of freedom to, to do what to do what I think is right for mm-hmm. the organization and the airmen, and uh, and we'll see. But yeah, uh, I'm I'm at 25. I'll be at 27 uh, by the end of my my wing command tour, and so uh, I also have to have right not only my career but my wife. So Lieutenant Colonel Mack is coming up on Colonel, and, and we want to make sure that she gets over the finish line. So I'm I'm definitely uh, starting to move into the background while. Uh, you can't can't really say being a wing commander is moving into the background, but yeah, definitely uh, looking for for as we move forward to give her more opportunities. And uh, I'm not so so concerned with the the future opportunities. Yeah, uh, but but we'll see, right? If if the Air Force uh, offered me a promotion at some point in the future, I probably wouldn't turn it down. But yeah, I, again, I've just been playing with house money for so long. Um, every day is a Every day is a uh, a treat, so that's just good. Take uh, enjoy it as much as possible, and and do with do with it as much as I can. Yeah, good. So your last commander's call we talked about earlier, uh, we were talking about the the commander's cup that was going on and the do little raid that was uh, that was about to happen. We also had uh, a brief from. A whole bunch of different uh, personnel in the group for you know summer safety and things like that. But uh, at the end of it, you were given the opportunity for a really nice kind of farewell or goodbye to the airmen and guardians of the 692nd. Uh, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to ask if there is there anything more that you'd like to say or anything that's come to mind since then uh, that you're going to that you want to pass on to them. Uh, oh, you can't. You can't say thanks enough. You can't show enough gratitude. And so I, I think uh, probably echoing those comments once again, it's just this is the best ISR group in the Air Force, right? We have the the best mission, right, nestled on the strategic intelligence side uh, at NSA and, and uh, refocusing on the NDS priorities and, right, great power competition. We're, right, we're, we're neck deep in, in that, both both on the strategic side and then, the 792nd to the 8th IS on the tactical side, uh, in DCGS, the tactical and operational side, and, and and so that that the mission doesn't get any better than that. And and I'm again, I I worked joint special operations for 10 years, where I thought being it that was the tip of the spear. And as that that the CT fight, the counterterrorism fight fades away, this is the tip of the spear. Like it doesn't get any closer to the operational tip of the spear than the 692nd. Right. And, uh, and and people should relish that. I don't know if people really, really think about that at the strategic time frame. We, you know, we see it in the news and we kind of, I, I just don't know if we internalize the role that we have out here. And then just the phenomenal job that the airmen do day to day, you know, trying to provide insight. Right. And uh, Lieutenant General Hawk has, has asked us to, and I think we've met the, the challenge to become America's 
competition force. And, and I don't think uh, there's another group out there that fulfills that ideal as being the, the competition force than, than our airmen. And, uh, and it's just been awesome to, to see them get after it uh, over the last couple of years and, and make, make the, the roles that we have more relevant, right? Every single mission area, the, the group is more relevant uh, than they were yesterday. And they'll continue to do that. And again, it's just the airmen, uh, I, I, I hope and I think I, I see that, right, just trying to be better than they were the day before. Loving, loving the mission, having the, that autonomy, mastery, and purpose hopefully adds a little fuel to the fire that maybe they lacked in the past that, that now uh, helps keep them, help keep, keeps the drive alive to hone the tradecraft and, and hone the products and, and uh, inform decision makers. And, and and all of that does doesn't happen right. That that's not as a leader. You try to impart that energy, but it, it comes down to just phenomenal leaders at, at every echelon. Um, so so again, thinking uh, right, squadron commanders, the group staff for for everything that they've done to to ensure right. Not not just that we've we've done the pivot, but that that we're taking care of airmen going forward. So a lot of the stuff that you're uh, neck deep in within XP, right? The the Milcon uh, efforts, so improving improving our facilities over at the 8th IS and the 792nd with the Hangar Five, uh, the future Milcon uh, that that we're pushing up at Wahiwa, so that we'll have world class uh, admin and operations space for the 392nd and the 324th. That that's right, taking care of future generations, and and we have to have that in, in the back of our minds, and and uh, it, it's just been. Um, it's just been awesome to see, uh, um, folks kind of, kind of tackle that and, and move the ball forward on that. And so, um, yeah, uh, it's really just, uh, thanking everybody cause it's, uh, another one of those things that people say, uh, a lot, right. Zero tolerance. The other thing is servant leadership. Right. Uh, but, but I, I definitely, uh, internalize that, that aspect of command and, and, and I really believe that I'm here just to serve the team, right? Not, not many folks would call themselves a tool, but, <laughs> but I would, I would say I'm just a, a blunt instrument, right. To, to try and, uh, make sure that, that our airmen have the resources to do the job, um, here and in the future. Um, and, uh, and anything I could do to, to help that, um, it, it's, it's all for them. So, uh, or for all for you guys. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, I think, uh, I think that's it. I, I'm uh, again, just, it's been an honor to to serve in the group and to to watch the the airmen airmen uh, tackle the challenges of the contemporary period, right? COVID. It's uh, uh, again when you sign up for command or anything else, you don't you don't know you, you don't get to identify the challenges that, that you're going to face. So coming into command, like I wasn't thinking, oh, we're gonna we're gonna completely reorient uh, the the group um, mission uh, and how we conduct business. We're not. Wasn't thinking we got COVID. Wasn't weren't thinking we're going to have to tackle, um, you know, racial disparity, uh, all those kind of things. Uh, uh, and you just do the best you can. And and sometimes the things that you would prioritize coming in, they 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 fall a little bit lower because you just got to deal with the realities in the the deck that you're the hand that you're dealt. Yeah, those are those are big topics, obviously, for <laughs> not just the nation but everyone serving as well because it affects everyone yeah uh so well that's they're big yeah and that's what's been truly remarkable 
again, my, my hats off to, you know, the, the that frontline leadership uh, that, you know, remain connected and, and probably, you know, coming out of COVID, I think uh, if there's one positive, I, I think we're more connected now coming through that last year uh, than, than we were, you know, right in the last, you know, decade or so yeah. really since the culture of the Air Force started transitioning away from, oh, you got to go to the club, you got to do all this uh, other extracurricular stuff. We're, we're now getting back to that point of, hey, we need to, we need to have hands-on leadership and, uh, and mentorship at every level. Um, and, and again, I think everybody's really just impressed me so much developing those tools and the processes to remain connected. And, and then you see it at the now that we're able to actually be connected and see each other's faces. Yeah. Um, that, that uh, uh, I think the Esprit, if we could, uh, again, the phenomenal job that we did building and maintaining Esprit de Corps throughout that, that it, it's, it's going to take off like wildfire, I think now. So recently we had Lieutenant Colonel retired uh, McNamara come out and give a talk on winning with trauma and pretty much the, I guess the, the secret sauce that he wanted to impart was that everyone has some sort of traumatic in, in incident or uh, experience in their lives. No one, no one can escape someone with cancer. No one, no one can escape someone or not knowing someone with who's committed suicide or attempted suicide or depression, things like that. And a lot of, a lot of people, you know, obviously experience and deal with trauma in their own way. But uh, one of his, I guess, kind of the overall point that he wanted to make was have those just human contact, human like personal conversations with people. Let them know that it's okay to live with trauma. It's okay that trauma is not going to leave you. And, you know, the racial disparity that came out through last year due to uh, the incident with George Floyd, the and then, of course, you know, everything that came out of that, uh, I'm thankful that we had people on group staff and, you know, within the squadrons that were willing to open up and talk about their traumatic, you know, events right. that they've experienced in their lives that I would never have known right. if that incident didn't occur. So I also believe in improving yourself at least a little bit each day or little by little as much as possible. Uh, and so I know that I'm a work in progress and, and I know that those type of things that I was maybe not blind to, but it's just, it wasn't on my radar because I always, there, there's always something else there, you know, there's always, yeah. you know, kids school that I have to focus on or something to that or, or being, being the smartest I, I can at, at com fit out for a <laughs> hangar five renovation, yeah. uh, things that I, I'm constantly Googling, uh, that my wife is completely confused about uh, <laughs> a new acronym that she likes to deal with. And so things like that, that, if it if it didn't happen, I may have never asked those specific questions or, or had right. conversations with uh, Trish. Trish. Yeah, and I was thankful that he and others in in leadership roles were open to discuss those type of things, so that we can have those more personal conversations and not share the trauma, but still understand the incidences that occur uh, within our Air Force as well. Yeah, that we as a collective we need to fix address and fix i don't think we can eliminate it but we should try to get as close as possible yeah no it's um right that's trying to eliminate it that's like solving world hunger right exactly. it, it's just so much is out of out of your control and it's just such a large issue i think uh, i agree with you right that 
the the conversations that we had kind of really for, forced us to break down some walls, like personally. Uh, and yeah. again, I think that that's really where you really learn about what your teammate is or your teammate, who your teammates are, right? What, what makes them tick. And, and it is those shared conversations that a lot of times, right. We just don't have the time to. So the fact that we, we paused and, and gave folks multiple opportunities to, to have those conversations and to open up and that people were right. Willing to be vulnerable and, and uh, discuss those things. Uh, again, I think the, that makes the team stronger, right? Uh, Absolutely. And, and it might not, like, we're not going to solve systemic racism or the impacts of race, uh, historic racism in America at the squadron or group level or even at the Air Force level. But what we're going to do is we're going to solidify our team, right? Strengthen the team um, so that we can tackle those, right? And that we could be better teammates to anybody that might be suffering out there. And it, it kind of just made me think about the resiliency track that we did the last couple of days. Yeah. That there's that bond, right? Uh, that, that you and I have now because we, we walked 26 miles. Um, it was hot. And, and, and it was hot. <laughs> and there were blisters. And uh, there, were, there, was, there was a lot of fun to be had. But it was also, uh, right, maybe some shared suffering. Um, and a, but a shared experience that um, we'll, we'll take away with us forever. Yeah. And, uh, and, and we're connected now in a way that, uh, we weren't in the past. Uh, and that, that I, I'm, I'm hoping that's, a, that that's really what I'll take away things like that, that the things outside of the staff meetings, which I know you guys love, love them, love them. Um, but, but outside of right, the work stuff, it's the connectedness, uh, outside the lines, uh, that I think really makes an air force career. Right. Um, and you look for, look back and you, the, the work is great. Um, the service, the commitment to your your nation is fantastic, but it's the people that you serve with and uh, the experiences that you had with them, uh, both both good and bad, right? That that will leave um, leave leave a legacy. Yeah, I just dawned on me. I need to make sure I stay away from Chief Trish because <laughs> this is now the second time that we've done shared suffering together. So nine <laughs> hours of Spartan and now yeah. nine yeah. hours of walking yeah he's a negative around. influence that yeah guy. apparently yeah so i'm glad he's enjoying life you know, <laughs> he's retired you know on well, terminal right now but yeah well I, I would say too like i i i couldn't be more lucky with the leadership team that i've served with right um lieutenant colonel carter lieutenant colonel davis chief trish and uh, chief Burkham, just phenomenal folks and, and again i my my job would be impossible if it if it weren't for those those folks that help keep me in touch with uh, the airmen and their needs, and, and also help drive drive the the initiatives and, and uh, uh, across the across the group, couldn't couldn't do it, couldn't make it through the day, uh, and then right you, you throw in uh, Becky and Lieutenant uh, Lieutenant uh, well it was Lieutenant Sandoval and now Captain York yeah and. Uh, 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 Mitzi before mm-hmm. before them right that that front office team is just uh, fantastic yeah yeah I don't envy their job but I also <laughs> don't envy yours or Colonel Kahara's as she's coming in being yeah. uh, obviously she has a breadth of experience when it comes to intelligence and I have no doubt that she will kind of ease into the intelligence realm of what group commander will be like uh, I do always think about uh, how is it now for her going to learn all about air handler units and uh <laughs> how much uh how much windows at 1073 cost 
yep. all the civil engineering parts of the job that as a as a 14 in are are just things that just get sprinkled on top of every other thing that we're doing in this group yeah and 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 group command for an officer is the first time that you're faced with some of those things um definitely like i was like oh we have an engineer oh fantastic um electrical uh, engineer right? though yeah so. electrical engineer <laughs> running a ce uh right your first time that you have a an art team so yeah first time i've ever led uh, a chaplain or um psychologist uh, physician assistants how do you how do you utilize all these tools um first time you really have a staff so how do you how do you optimize the staff yeah um but but again you uh we've got phenomenal leaders and you just uh you know yell for mark holby that's it or uh, mr smith and uh <laughs> yep or just yell chief yep she'll yeah. start coming in well i wanted to thank you personally uh as well i have seen my share of group commanders uh, and each one has their own personal style. So uh, each one, ha- you have to adjust. Ghost notes are the hardest, <laughs> the, the most difficult things, uh, depending on the, on the commander. Uh, so trying to use your voice on, you know, in an email uh, is very difficult. Yours were a little bit easier, actually. <laughs> it's, uh, it's good. I think it's because we both have the same Enneagram, the 16 personalities. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Um, I use small words too. It's fine. It's fine. Not that smart. (laughs) So uh, with Colonel Dangler, they had to be extremely technical because he was a very technical guy and he wanted, he wanted as much uh, facts and things like that. And obviously facts are always good. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. Um, So uh, I'm sure with Colonel Kahara, uh, there'll be a a change in mentality for ghost notes and things like that. It's always a different voice. It is. I'm excited to, to, uh, you know, see you and the family go on to bigger and better things i don't know about better for location but you will have uh in virginia near langley there is a kind of like a chipotle but it's for mediterranean food uh yeah i think i i think i ate there it's like a meze yes yeah and it was delicious it was it was Um, uh we i i had it this past week when we were out at global sink uh i i had it for lunch i was i was pleasantly surprised yes um, when I when I worked with Becky to uh, pick out my my uh, meze bowl, yep. I was kind of like, oh man, I don't know what I don't know what this is gonna be when I get it. But yeah, absolutely. I uh, I'm glad that the guy was like, this is extremely spicy. So if you want <laughs> this, just make sure you get a little bit. I was like, all right, put a little bit in there. He yeah. was not wrong. So <laughs> I'm glad he was looking out for me. So well, since I served in Lebanon for a couple of years, and then Becky uh, was in Egypt, uh, we we've got our. Uh, ideas of mediterranean food so we were kind of yeah. Like, yeah know where your levels are at yep yeah right. but no it's uh no i appreciate it and and i'd just say thank you derek uh right i think this is the the venue the podcast for the group is uh it, i think is extremely important uh provide a voice to to the airmen uh, i love uh, i call it i call it pimp my airmen <laughs> uh but but i love right leadership saying highlighting uh the airmen because uh, again i I want to get to know every every single one of the 1,100 airmen in the group. Uh, it's extremely difficult, but this is this is great to great venue to kind of spend an hour with individual airmen to learn more about them and what their leadership sees in them to uh, earn the honor of a uh, podcast episode. But I I really appreciate you picking up the mantle for this and and taking it to the next level because that's again as we as as the Air Force culture shifts and technology shifts. 
these kind of events, whether it's a blog or social media or podcasts become more and more important for, for leadership to, to communicate uh, yeah. out to, um, uh, out to the airmen. So if there's anything really, I'd maybe I'd recommend Colonel Kahara do one of these like every quarter, even maybe like to accompany a commander's call, maybe it would shorten the commander's call and, uh, and, and help her, uh, get, get her voice out there to the group. Um, Absolutely. It, it's, it's a great, great venue. So thank you. Thank you, sir. All right. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. you enjoyed the final send-off from our current group commander at least for one more day colonel eric mack and lieutenant colonel Corey mack will be leaving the local area for langley virginia but never far from our ohana the past two years have been trying for all of us and the men and women of the 692nd isr group have continued to excel and impress despite the trials and tribulations that have ensued it has been a pleasure working for and alongside colonel mack and i am excited to see the directions and ideas that colonel stacy kahara will bring to our group's airmen and guardians. If you have any ideas, recommendations for future podcast shows or guests that you'd like to hear from, let us know by going to any of the socially acceptable means of communication and leave us a comment. Facebook URL is facebook.com forward slash group forward slash 692D podcast. The email is simply 692D podcast at gmail.com. And you can always leave us a message on the Mattermost channel. If you can't get to any of those, send me an email at derek.addison at us.af.mil, and I'll respond as soon as possible. That's the show for today. So for now, aloha, take care of yourself, and if you can, take care of someone else too.